Well, church, if you would take your copy of God's Word with me this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, uh, we're going to uh, look at the last few uh, scripture texts there in Matthew uh, this morning. And so I want you to know uh, there was a lot of prayer that went into uh, this morning's message. Uh, so maybe it was spiritual in some sense, but, but I just want you to know that, that this text is what our students looked at uh, this past week. And so um, thank God for that and uh, just want to uh, praise him and, and thank him in this moment uh, for the opportunity to gather together and worship. And so, you know, many of you are probably uh, like me. Most of us have, have gone on a vacation or you've planned a trip of, of some sort and, and, you know, perhaps it's overseas, maybe it's down to the beach. Uh, but when we plan a trip, uh, we don't just haphazardly throw it together. Uh, in most cases, right? Now, I remember when I was a child, my dad would, would take the three of us uh, on vacation, and, uh, and we would hop in the car. A lot of times, we went down to Daytona Beach, Florida, and, and I would ask the question somewhere along the, la- the way. I'd say, Dad, where are we staying at? And uh, he said, I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. And uh, so, you know, life was an adventure on, on a lot of those trips, but, but typically we want to plan, we want to know where we're going, right? We ask, hey, where are we going to go? You know, why are we going to go there? How are we going uh, to get there? You know, what are we going to pack? What are we going to take? You know, why are we choosing our destination? And all of these kinds of things and thoughts and plans go into uh, our trip or our vacation, you know, and as we kind of look at our text this morning, I just want us to see that, that from the, the, before the creation of the world, from all eternity, God has had a plan. God has, has had a plan, and His plan is for, for you and I to be a part of how He is going to build His church. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus told the disciples, hey, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, and, and His Part of his plan, the what of his plan, the the how of his plan is the church. It's you and it's I and what he wants to do. You see, his eternal plan has always included you, believer. His eternal plan has always included me. His eternal plan has always included us together as the church to reach the nations with the gospel and what in the truth of his word. And so I want to invite you to do something real quick. I want you to look to your right. Go ahead and do it. Uh, I want you to look to your right. Okay, I want you to look to your left. All right, and if you have a mirror, ladies, in your pocketbook, you can take your mirror out and look in it, right? And, and those to your left and those to your right, and you look in the mirror and you see yourself. Listen, you are God's plan. You are God's plan to build his church. You are God's plan to take the gospel to the nations. I am a part of God's plan. We are it. I got news for you today. There's no plan B. There's only one plan, and it's God's plan. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll read the text together and see what his word has to say to us today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, your word is living. Your word is active. Father, your word is as sharp as a double-edged sword. And Father, we stand, as we sang earlier, on the foundation of your word. Your word is truth. 
Father, the flowers of the field may fade away, but your word will stand forever. And so as we read your text today, God, we pray that you would stir in our hearts a desire. God, that you would stir in our hearts a brokenness. That you would stir in our hearts a willingness to go. That you would stir in our hearts a a sense of urgency, God, that we need to hear from you that, that we are a part of your plan and your church is your plan. And so we thank you for that, God. Thank you for inviting us to be a part of what you are doing on this planet to redeem a people for yourself, to save a people for yourself. And Father, we pray that your word would speak directly to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So we're going to read from Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. It says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Praise God for the reading of His Word. We here at Lilburn First Baptist Church, we're a great commandment church and a great commission church, right? The the great commandment has told us as believers to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind and all of our strength. And when we begin to do that, then we can live out the commission that God has given us that that we would love this world, that we would go and make disciples of all nations as we just read and take the truth of who He is and the good news of who He is to the world all around us. If you've never heard the Great Commission before, maybe you've heard that phrase in church life or you've heard it there and you're not really sure what people are talking about, this text is what we're talking about. This text is the Great Commission. And and it's really neat that, that our church, if If you're a member of Lilburn First Baptist Church, our mission comes directly from the Great Commission. In fact, our mission is this, is that we would make disciples of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and that we would teach them to observe all that Jesus has commanded. That's why we exist as a church. I believe that's why God planted this church here more than 180 years ago. That this church would be a lighthouse in this community to carry the gospel to the city of Lilburn and beyond. And so, as we look at this text today, what do we see? Well, it it starts out in verse 16. It says, now the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee. When you read through the other text of the other gospels we'll see that the disciples ended up in Galilee and if you were to go back and read the first part of Matthew chapter 28 uh, you would see that Mary Magdalene and and another Mary they went to the tomb there um, on that day and uh, an earthquake happened and an angel appeared and his clothes were like white and lightning and he was pure and he was holy 
and he was righteous, and the guards, they fell down like they were dead. And, and the angel said to those ladies, he said, do not be afraid. You're looking for Jesus. He has risen. He has risen. And we talked about that recently when, when we were beholding Jesus and looking at the resurrection. And, but here these, these ladies are, and, and they get instructions from the angels. They say, hey, go to the other disciples and, and tell them to go back to Galilee. Tell them to go back to their home. Tell them to go back to where they're familiar with. Tell them to go back to where they first met Jesus. And tell them to go to the mountain that I'm telling you, and Jesus will meet them there. And so the ladies ran off, and they they did exactly what the angel told them to do. They ran off and told the disciples, and, and so the disciples make their way back to Galilee. And all the other gospel accounts we see, they're doing different things, and, and here they are. It says, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus. Just imagine, if you will, the joy and the amazement and the satisfaction of seeing Jesus alive. And, And they had already had other you know, they had already encountered him in other ways and seen him at, at different times as he had shown himself to them at different times. But, but again, they see him and they worship him. The risen Savior, the one that they had seen die and buried, and here he is before them, right before their very eyes. Try to imagine what that would be like. The excitement the wonder, the fear, and the awe of what your eyes are beholding. And I imagine being there, and I, I imagine I would probably think, He's alive! I can't believe it. He's alive. He was dead, and now He's alive. And just the excitement and the awe and the wonder of what that moment must have Been like for them, they fell down at his feet and they worshiped him. Imagine for a moment the the emotions that that these disciples had been through in previous days. Jesus rejected, Jesus betrayed, Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus being buried in a tomb. Jesus alive. And they worship him. And it's interesting as Matthew records this gospel that in the the midst of the adulation, in the midst of the excitement, in the expectation, and the joy that filled the moment. Matthew notes, but some doubted. But some doubted. Even in the the midst of the joy of the moment, some doubted. It's as if there's this this somberness in the moment. That that many are believing and many are excited, but, but on the other hand, 
some are not. And they're questioning, is this really Jesus? Could this be? And in that moment, they were wavering in their faith. They were wavering in their belief. It's as if they've come to this moment, this place in time in their own lives. Where, where they're going down this road and there's a, a fork in the road and, and they have to say, they have to make this decision, which way are we going to go? Am I going to believe or am I not going to believe? You see, they had this moment, this crisis of faith in their lives. We had this personal fork in the road. Am I going to believe? It reminds me of Thomas. Thomas sees the resurrected Jesus and he, he says something to the effect of, Lord, and unless I see the, where the nails were in your hands and where they pierced your side, I can never believe. And Jesus with grace in his eyes and tenderness in his voice invites Thomas to touch his hand and to put his hand in his side. And Thomas responds and he says, Lord, you are the Christ, I believe. And I just wonder for us today, as we gather together, what decision have you made? What, what side of the fork in the road are you going down? You see, because as we think about Jesus as our risen Savior in this commission that He's given us, in this call that He's given us to go out, the reality is this, is that we cannot pass on what we do not possess. You cannot give to others what you do not have yourself. Right? If your well is dry, you cannot offer living water to anyone else. And so maybe this morning we need to take a moment and reflect and be introspective and kind of ask the question, Lord, where am I? Where am I? Lord, do I, do I trust you? Do I know you? Am I walking with you? Jesus, do I wake up every day and behold you, the risen Savior? Do you give me life? Do you give me hope? Am I just living life excitedly that, that, that I'm following you and knowing you, Lord. See, we can't pass on what we don't possess. And perhaps you're here this morning and, and maybe you're like some of those who doubted. And you see Jesus, you've seen the evidence, this, this one who had all authority, this one who, who the Bible tells us was born of a virgin, the one who healed people and helped people come alive from the dead, and the one who rose from the dead himself. And it, and it seems like maybe a fairy tale to you, or you ask, man, could it really be? And you're at a crisis of faith in your own life. Jesus invites us to himself. The one who died on the cross so that we may have life and have it abundantly. The one who made you. 
the one who breathes life into your very lungs, the one who causes the heart to beat in your chest. He's saying, listen, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Right? The, the perfect Prince of Peace offers us peace. And we can know Him, and we can walk with Him, and we can have a relationship with Him. And as we sung about earlier, we can obey Him. We can behold Him. Behold the risen Savior. Will you worship Him today? Jesus goes on to tell them in verses 18 and 19, he says, it says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. By his own authority, Jesus sends you and I where he wants us to go. He has the authority. I mean, think about this uh, for just a moment. That Jesus is the king. Jesus has all authority. And he can tell us where to go and how to go and how to live and where to take the gospel to, right? He has all authority to do that. You think about a king who can tell his subjects, go do this. And he expects us to do it. But in the same breath, I'm reminded that we're not merely subjects of a king. We are friends of a Savior. We belong to Him. We are a part of His family. And He has authority over us. And He has sent us out. And think about who it is who who has this authority. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. The one who would calm the waves on the sea. The one who would speak to a storm and say, peace, be still. And everything subsided and there was peace and calm. This is Jesus who gave sight to the blind, who helped the lame to walk, who healed the leper. This is the same Jesus who rose Lazarus from the dead. This is the same Jesus who rose from the dead himself and defeated sin and defeated death and reigns forevermore, even today at the right hand of God in the throne room of heaven. This is the Jesus who has all authority. He has authority. And this Jesus that has all authority, He equips you, He empowers you, He strengthens you, He helps you, He leads you, He guides you by the power of His Holy Spirit that He's given to you to go and to do what He has called you to do, to go and to be who He has told you to be, to go to the world around us and to share the good news of the gospel of Christ. He's the one doing it. That's why it's called the Great Commission. Right? We have this incredible mission, but we cannot do it on our own. We don't have the strength. We don't have the intellect. We don't have the knowledge. We don't have the wisdom. We don't have anything that we need to do the task. 
It is a work of God in us and through us. Because He is building His kingdom. He is building His kingdom. It's not our kingdom. It's His kingdom. It's His dominion. He's the one who rules. And His kingdom will last forever. Forever. It's His. And He's invited us to be a part of what He's doing. You see, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For we, for you, are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's all kinds of good works God has called us to do. He's called us to love, and He's called us to pray, and He's taught us to give and to go, and He's called us to be faithful to His body, to His bride. He's called us to allow the Spirit to work out the fruits of the Spirit in our own lives, the the fruits of love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control and all of these things God has prepared for you and I beforehand. He's prepared for you to do good works where you live. He's prepared for you to do good works in your home. He's prepared good works for you to do within your marriage relationship. He's prepared good works for you to do as a parent. He's prepared good works for you to do as an employer or as an employee. He's prepared good works for you to do as a servant in his church. He's prepared good works for you. He's prepared good works for you to go out and to share the gospel of the good news of Christ with those who've never heard. From all eternity past. He's prepared good works. That we would walk in them. And as we think about that. I want to ask you this morning. Where is God sending you? Where is God telling you to go? Who is he telling you to go to? I tell our students regularly, at least I think that I do, that that, that God has put them right where they are. Right? They have a sphere of influence, a circle of friends and peers that, that I will never talk to. I will never perhaps see them, right? I will never have the opportunity to be before them or to love them or to show them kindness. And the same thing is true for us as adults. Listen, adults, God has put you right where He wants you. He's given you the neighbors you have for a reason. And sometimes we don't even know their name. He's put you in the workplace where He has you for a reason. Students, He's put you in the school where you are for a reason. He's put you in the family that you're a part of for a reason. To glorify Him and to know Him and to make Him known. He's called us to go. Will you go? 
will we go as a church? One of the, the great things that we've begun to do recently is this gather and go initiative where we meet the first and the third Sunday of every month. We meet right out there in the foyer at 4 o'clock. And we've begun to go to our neighbors. And we've begun to love them and care for them and to pray for them and, and to even share the gospel with them. And to have these open doors of relationship. Listen, God calls us to go individually. He calls us to go privately. But He also calls us to go together. He calls us to go as a church. And what a wonderful opportunity we have through our Gather and Go initiative and through Bless Every Home, the opportunity we have to pray for our neighbors by name, to begin to ask God to move in their lives, to work in their lives, to open up doors of opportunity for us to know them and to relate to, to them and maybe have meals with them and to get to know them. Listen, by His own authority, Jesus sends us where He wants us to go. And listen, I understand I understand there's fear. I understand there's trepidation. I understand there's not knowing what might happen. I understand that we may be afraid that I just don't know what to say, Pastor. What if they insult me or what if they hurl hurtful words at me? How, how am I supposed to respond? What am I supposed to do? If they ask a question, what am I supposed to say? We have all kinds of things that keep us from going, things that make us nervous, things that make us afraid. We have these thoughts that we're, we're just not adequate and we can't do it. I got news for us. We're not. And we can't. <laughs> but He can. He can. I too have those same feelings. Sometimes I feel afraid. Sometimes I wonder, <laughs> how is this going to turn out? <laughs> what are they going to say? Am I going to be able to answer their questions? You know, is there, is there any danger involved? There may be. I can't answer that question, no, affirmatively. But I know that God knows. And I know that He, as we're going to see in just a moment, will be with us and He will help us and He will go with us and before us and behind us and beside us and in us as we go to our neighbors. And so what does Jesus tell them then? He says, go. Go, therefore, because I have all authority and I'm telling you to go. So go. And make disciples. That word go there, I've often heard it said that, that, that it means this literally. It means as you are going. As you're going. You know, oftentimes we think that, that we need a program or we need this evangelistic, you know, this concerted effort, this outreach and all these kinds of things. And, and I'm not saying those things are bad, obviously, um, because we just initiated gather and go. But, but, but as we're going... As you go to the supermarket, as you go to Walmart, now that could be challenging, 
as you run to the hardware store, as you go to your job, as you cook dinner for your family, as you interact with your neighbor, helping them with their yard work or whatever the case may be, as you are go. So in other words, wherever you might find yourself, go and make disciples, Jesus said. You know, oftentimes we, f- we think this, and maybe this is a cop-out, maybe this is an excuse, but, and, and, and I'm not discounting this, okay? But sometimes we think, you know what? I'll just live a godly lifestyle before them. Which we should be doing, right? We want to honor the Lord in the way that we live, in the way that we walk, in the way that we talk, in the way that we think, and in all things. And sometimes we hope that, that maybe by them watching our lives and, and seeing us interact with others or how we go about our business, that that's going to be enough. But we cannot be passive. He has told us to go and proclaim with our mouth. He gave us a mouth and a tongue and the ability to speak, to share the good news of the gospel. That we would proclaim it. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Oh, let's walk out of here with our our feet shod with the, the gospel of Christ and Take the good news to people. You see, God has placed you right where you are to fulfill His kingdom purposes. Let me say, God has placed you, believer, right where you are to fulfill His kingdom purposes. God has placed you right where you are, Christian, to fulfill His kingdom purposes. Let us walk in the good works that He has prepared beforehand for us to do. So we're to go, but what are we to do? We're to baptize. We're to baptize and we're to teach. Baptism is is, is simply this, in a lot of ways, it's it's a public declaration of what God has inwardly done in our hearts and our lives. We're saying publicly, I belong to Jesus. I follow Him. I will walk with Him. I will obey Him. I will do whatever He tells me to do. And it's it's symbolic of us being baptized with Christ into His death. And then we've been raised to walk with Him in newness of life. Listen to what Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4 say here. Do you not know that All who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into His death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Listen folks, baptism is just not some ritual that we observe. It's not something that we conjured up on our own ability and said, hey, we think this might be a good idea. Let's dunk ourselves in water and come up and we'll create some meaning around it. No, baptism gets its meaning from Jesus Christ's death for our sins and His triumphal 
resurrection from the dead. It points to Jesus. It points to Christ. That even in our baptism, people would be pointed to Jesus. And right here in Matthew chapter 28, you, know, you may ask the question, you know, why do you baptize? Because Jesus told us to. We obey His command. We follow Him. And baptism, in many ways, is symbolic. Just as the ring that I have on my finger that symbolizes the day that my wife and I stood before a congregation and pledged ourselves to one another and shared our vows with one another. This ring is symbolic of that. This ring does not make me married. But it was the covenant between my wife and I on that day, on May 9th, 2009. I hope I just got that date right. <laughs> Pretty sure it's the ninth. But anyway, it's symbolic. Baptism is symbolic. Of our union with Jesus. That we know Him in His death. But that we know Him in His resurrection. That we would walk with Him and know Him and be faithful to Him. We are publicly declaring that we would baptize. So Jesus says, go therefore and baptize. And we see this beautiful display of this Trinitarian God that we serve, that we're baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're glorifying Him. But that's not it. He says, baptize them. But He says also in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That we would teach people what it looks like to follow God. That we would show them what it looks like to know Him and His Word. And His Word is true and it's everlasting and it's eternal and it's infinite. And it will not perish and it's divinely inspired. It is the Word of God. That we would teach them. We would show them. That we would model for them and, and proclaim to them this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. That we would Give them the gospel. Church, it's so important for you and I that after we're saved, not to start trying to live life on our own or to neglect the fellowship of believers or to say, I don't need to, to have a church home, but that we would walk together in unity, growing together in the faith and the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is, that we would continue to be strengthened in our faith and our walk with Him. He says, teach them. That we would teach them the truth, that we would teach them the law of God. Amen. I love Psalm 119. Psalm 119, man, if you, if you can read that in less than five minutes, kudos to you. I love Psalm 119. Psalm 119, the psalmist is just proclaiming to God how good His law is. How wonderful His law is and, and His statutes and, 
and how he wants to obey them and follow them and, and live by them. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We would know the truth, and the truth would set us what? Free. Free. We would know the truth. And it's by the Scriptures that we get to know Jesus. Amen. It's by the Scriptures that we get to grow in the grace and knowledge of who He is and to experience the riches of His glory to even a greater uh, uh, degree than we already have in our lives. Amen. It's through His Word. You see, God accomplishes His will through His Word. Amen. He accomplishes His will through His Word. Oftentimes we pray and we think and we wonder, man, I wonder what the, the will of God is for my life. Does He want me to go here or do that or listen to this or not listen to that or you know, act this way or not act this way? How does He you know, want me to, to treat my spouse? How does He want me to, to, to raise my children? How does He want me to, 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 to work as an employee? All of these kinds of things, we find the answer in God's Word. God accomplishes His will through His Word. Christian, listen, God accomplishes His will through His Word. Spend time in His Word. Know His Word. Memorize His Word. Meditate on His Word. And as you go and proclaim the Gospel, teach people His Word. It's the only hope that we have because it shows us and leads us to Jesus. Teach them His Word. His Word has a cleansing effect. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is, is writing and talking about how husbands should love their wives and, and how that, that through, its, through the washing of the Word um, that we are cleansed and through the washing of the word God even changes our own hearts and minds that's Romans chapter 12 that we wouldn't be conformed any longer to the ways and the patterns of this world but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may be able to taste and see what is the perfect pleasing will of God And so we may ask the question, why is that important to teach people to obey His Word? Because we're called to righteousness. The people you reach are called to righteousness in Christ. And it's through the washing, this cleansing effect of the Word of God that you and I can be made more and more right with God as we know His Word and read it and memorize it and understand it. The power of the Holy Spirit at work in us takes the Word of God and washes us and cleanses us. We need to give people the Word of God. The reality is this. We can't cleanse ourselves. Can we? You know it all too well. You know it all too well. I remember coming to, to Christ as a young man in my early 20s and, and thinking, man, I've got to stop doing this and this and this and this and, and then maybe I can come before God. 
And you know what I realized? Can't do it. I'm not. I can't do it. I need Jesus. I need the Spirit of God. I need the Word of God washing over me and cleansing me because it's not an outside-in kind of job. Right? It's an inside-out job that God does in the life of every person that comes to faith in Him. That we would know His Word and surrender ourselves to His Word. That we would obey His Word as we sung earlier. We would follow Him. And I love what Jesus says. I believe it's in John chapter 14. It is we, he, he says this, he says, if you love me, you will obey me. And I, I can't remember exactly, and I will, I will my father will, will love you and I will love you and I will reveal myself to you. Amen. Not that it's a secret, but the secret would be this, that the more you obey God out of a heart of love and gratitude towards Jesus, guess what's going to happen? the more you're going to know Him. And the more you know Him, the more you're going to love Him. And the more you love Him, the more you're going to obey Him. And it's a circle. And the more you obey Him, the more you're going to love Him, and the more He's going to reveal Himself to you. And you just keep going and going, and you begin to grow into a new creation that God has created you to be. And we want the people that we reach with the gospel to know His Word, to love His Word, and to obey His Word. And I love how Jesus closes out His teaching here. He says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Christian, listen very closely. Believer in Jesus, hear me. God is with you. God is with you. And not only is He with you, He's inside of you through the power of His Spirit. He promises Right here, His eternal presence to be with you and I. In everything that we face in this life. And I know, I understand. Sometimes we wonder and we ask, God, are you really with me? We walk through very difficult times in our lives. We go through incredible trials and we may wonder, God, are you there? My experience has been that when I walk through situations like that, that's when God really shows His faithfulness. That God is faithful, as we sang earlier, He is faithful to keep His promises. And right here, He said, I promise to be with you for all, all, hear me, all eternity. I'm with you. That Jesus, the one who stepped down out of heaven and became a babe, 
In Matthew chapter 1, we read, His name will be called Emmanuel. God with us. He is our God. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He walks with us wherever we go. He resides inside of us. He is with us. He is our God. And we, Christian, are the sheep of His pasture. He is with you. He will not leave you, nor will He forsake you. And so as we consider that God has told us to go, and He's going to be with us wherever we go, and we consider all the fear and all the trepidation and all the uncertainty and all the unknowns that, 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 that are going to keep us or may keep us from, from going out. He's with us. Will we face persecution? I believe so. I believe in our culture. We're going to increasingly see a, a, we're going we're to see that. We're going to feel that as faithful followers of Christ. You're going to have people come against you and stand against you and speak out against you. Wherever you may find yourself, whether it's in your family or in your job or in your school system or in your neighborhood. But don't fear. Because God is with you. He will lead you he will guide you. He will direct you. He will help you. He will strengthen you. He'll go with you. Hallelujah. So behold Jesus, the one who sends us out. The one who has given us this commission. And the one who doesn't leave us on our own to accomplish it. But He's working in us and He's working through us for His kingdom and His glory and for His name and His renown to go beyond the four walls of this building and off of 285 Main Street Northwest in Lilburn, Georgia to the cities, the, the roads, the, the neighborhoods, everywhere around us. And church, you're His plan. You're His plan. Will you obey? Will you go and see what kind of work God does through you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. God, your word is living. Your word is active. God, as we sang earlier, uh, we believe it. We trust it. Father, we stand upon it. We stake our claim on it because it, it, it is your word to us. It doesn't fail. It doesn't falter. It doesn't pass away. It's your word. Your eternal word. And Father, I thank you. I thank you that today we can know you. I thank you that today we can walk with you. Father, I pray in this moment for those who may be in this room under the sound of my voice. And they may be sitting here today 
And it may be true of them. When your word says some doubt it. That they may be doubting. Lord I pray in this moment. In this time. That your spirit would revive them. Help them to see the truth. Of the gospel. Help them to trust Christ. For the forgiveness of their sins. Father we pray that this church. Would be a lighthouse in this community. In the world abroad. Father that we would be faithful. Father, if we need to repent from not obeying you in this, may your kindness lead us to repentance. And we thank you for God. We thank you, God. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you have invited us to be a part of your plan to redeem your church and to build your church for your everlasting kingdom. And we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.